Hello and welcome again to Exploring the Art Market podcast. I'm your host, Maria Baitsavovinans, business writer, IP lawyer and mediator, passionate about the world of art. This episode of a podcast I would like to dedicate to a particular artist, the king of kitsch, the most expensive living artist in the world. He lost that title for a little while to David Hockney, but his shiny rabbit hopped back to the top position pretty fast. Jeff Koons. Let's talk a bit about him and his art. His perfectly polished balloon dock can mesmerize you or leave you indifferent. His new Shelton wet-dry double-decker can trigger childhood memories, push you to reflect on the frailty of existence or the battle of sexes, or prompt a classic question, how is that even art? His Made in Heaven series can shock you, make you question the limits of what's acceptable, or maybe allow you to connect with Coons on a deeper level, whatever that means. In other words, his art is open to debate. Nonetheless, Peter Sheldell rightly coined him as the signal artist of today's world. With an add-on, if you don't like that, take it up with the world. And this world seems to be firmly on Kuhn's side, as there are numerous collectors admiring his works and willing to pay hefty sums for his creations. If you happen, surprisingly, to never have heard of Kuhn's, I would recommend a somewhat critical but very informative article on the artist The Cult of Jeff Kuhn's by Jed Pearl in the New York uh, Review of Books. I will add a link in notes to this podcast. Pearl gives a great overview of Kuhn's career up to the famous Whitney retrospective when Kuhn's got himself an entire museum to exhibit the results of his decades-long work. Regardless of your attitude towards his art, what one surely cannot deny Kuhn's is his business acumen. The Whitney Museum director Adam Weinberg once called him the Warhol of his time, while Warhol is known to have said business art is the step that comes after art. Good business is the best art. Kuhn's seems to have mastered this best art perfectly. So, what is the business of the most expensive artist of our times? In a nutshell, Kuhn's sells ideas. That's right. He originates ideas for artworks. He doesn't actually make them himself. He oversees the work of his studio. Even though Talking about the studio, since 2015 he has been subsequently cutting down the number of studio assistants and is currently even contemplating the idea of automation. Downsizing his studio is a logical step for Kunz, given that for many recent pieces he anyway collaborated with different specialists outside his studio. Art and outsourcing. On this topic, in one of my articles, I have reflected on the concept of authorship, providing an example of Tombeau, by Jan der Kreuze, amazingly realistic musical instruments made from Murano glass, some of them in the Belfast art collection. For that artwork, der Kreuze contributed an idea, while it was the craftsman who actually made the pieces. I argued that without the skill of a craftsman, the artwork would not be possible. So the whole concept of authorship is questionable. In the case of Kunz, we are talking about a whole creative machine, assistants, collaborators, even automated solutions, computers and other devices that all are working to realize what he envisioned, his ideas. The art critic Robert Hughes called Kuhn's a starry-eyed opportunist, attributing his success to aggressive self-marketing. One might indeed be tempted to draw such a conclusion. However, his ideas sell. 
and which is more important, they sell in advance. This is yet another crucial component of Kuhn's current business success. He sells first, makes second. The idea of pre-selling in itself is not new. The famous sculptor Auguste Rodin is known to have first exhibited cheaper versions of his sculptures, made in terracotta or even just plaster. Then he secured commissioning in stone or in bronze, and only after receiving the payment the sculptures were actually manufactured in all their glory. Nevertheless, in the case of Rodin, his ideas were still materialized before being sold, even though in a cheaper medium. In case of Kuhn's, as said earlier, he sells at the moment his idea is formed in his head, while no actual object exists yet. Moreover, it can remain non-existent for many, many, unpredictably many years to come. There's yet another stroke to the image. Once a collector buys a future piece of Kuhn's, it is not a given that the selling price is final, nor that the collector gets, gets any clue about when the piece will be completed. Kuhn's might come back for more. More money, I mean. Time it will take more for sure, and some collectors get so annoyed by it that they're actually filing lawsuits against galleries representing the artist. Like, there were several cases against Gagosian, Tannenbaum versus Gagosian, Silver versus Gagosian, and there was also a case brought by Moretti against Zwirner. However, in general, as long as Kunz's work rise in price, everyone just waits. You can't rush art, you know? And if there's a general belief that the investment in Kunz's idea is rising in value, existent or not, his artworks receive the desired sponsorship. Besides, Kunz has something for almost everyone. If you don't happen to have 54 million to buy the balloon dog sculpture, you can always buy a scale model for 5,000 at Artsy. Or maybe a handbag with an image of the balloon dog and a desired JK underneath for mere two and a half thousand. Likewise, Kunz is open to cooperations with brands. He worked with Stella McCartney, Lady Gaga, BMW, Louis Vuitton, Chateau, Mouton Rothschild, and some others, securing numerous income streams from all those cooperations and significantly enhancing his own personal brand along the way. His personal brand is, in fact, the largest component of the success of Jeff Koons. Thus, Hughes might have been right after all. It all starts with self-marketing, which Koons is a true master of. Then again, Koons' pieces, despite the allure of ready-made on steroids, do have their unique magnetism, and they are truly perfectionistly perfect. Take the rabbit, that thing is simply mesmerizing! Above all, Kunz's pieces have rising monetary value, market backed up. Thus, as long as the market believes in Kunz, as long as fashionistas are proudly swinging their master's collection speedies, wearing rabbit pendants and sipping 2010's Chateau Mouton Rothschild with Kunz's designed etiquette, the business machine of Kunz will keep on rolling. That's it from me for today. I hope you liked this little glimpse into the business of Kunz. Now, I would like to hear from you. Do you think that the artist needs aggressive self-marketing and intensive cooperation with brands in order to succeed in the art world of today? Shouldn't powerful art speak for itself? Or without the loud voice of an artist, that's not going to work? What do you think? Please share your thoughts in the comment section below or shoot them directly to my email, maria.boitsova at gmail.com. Thanks again for being with me today. Like, share, subscribe. 
My name is Maria Betsova-Wienens. Till next time on Exploring the Art Market podcast.